0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. One of the benefits IONS provides to its members is a monthly report of an NDE or similar mystical experience authored by the experiencer and submitted to INS for the files and these reports are sent out once a month to members Um, generally they're sent out anonymously. I'm going to read um, two of these to you today one is um, actually the monthly NDE for last uh, February last month and uh... Well, it begins like this. This is a description of what you're going to hear. In this account, a young woman shares the changes that she has noticed in herself since she almost died in drug rehabilitation. As she's dying, Jesus comes to her bedside and lets her know that her pain does not go unnoticed. She sees a tunnel, then darkness, and then an orb of light which held all the knowledge that ever was or will be. When she returns to her body, all the anxiety and fear that ruled her life for so long, are completely erased. Many other changes, both subtle and obvious, are observed by her and her boyfriend. The uh, experiencer writes, Arriving at detox, I wasn't scared of getting sick or of all the wonderfully horrible things to come. When you think about huge, life-changing events in your life, there are usually solid intentions behind your reasoning. I didn't have any intentions and still can't recall any. It was as though the life that I had once lived, that I had lived for almost 28 years as Alex was going to end. I could not see a shred of future once I was admitted. In my subconscious, I had reached a limit. There was just nothing. I decided I would trust the people working there, assuming they would take into consideration how much medication I was on. They didn't. They had completely cut me off of all the opiates and lowered me to three milligrams of clonopin a day, along with the antidepressant I had been taking for years. The second night in detox was when the terror and sickness set in. My heart rate was at a steady 157 beats per minute. Blood pressure, normal range, temperature would fluctuate from 102 to 96 and back up again. I had gone through opiate detox in the past but nothing would prepare me for the level of intensity that was setting in steadily on the third day i awoke into a living nightmare never in my life had i imagined that i could be in so much overwhelming pain physically mentally emotionally and spiritually i was drenched in a layer of cold sweat and my mother and my muscles were convulsing i lay in bed for 5 days three of which i have almost no recollection of. I turned on my right side and stared at the wall, completely convinced I was going to die. There was no doubt in my mind, and the few times I made it to the phone to call my boyfriend, I told him this fact over and over. Being trapped in the hospital, I realized there was nothing I could do. I continued to stare at the wall, feeling colder and more helpless than I ever had before. I accepted death, then time stopped. I'm not sure if I was physically looking with my body or if I had begun to slip away, but something was approaching my bed. He was my messenger, my guide, and he came to me with a physical resemblance of Jesus. He had beautiful light brown hair, stood maybe five foot seven. He wore a white suit that when you look directly at the fabric, it had its own depth, its own life within it. That color had never meant so much to me until that moment. It signified purity and safety. He had sandals on and glided over to the foot of my bed. Then the rest of my memories are like still frame photos. I had left my body and was suddenly half a foot away from him at eye level. With every look that he gave me, I could interpret and understand what he was telling me without words, like telepathy. At this point, I was just air and had a 360-degree view of everything. With his face, he told me to turn and look at myself in the bed. Without turning, I could suddenly see myself. I was so incredibly pale and motionless. I couldn't tell if I was still breathing. When I looked back at him, he expressed a look that said to me, Your pain does not go unnoticed. There is this other place that exists without pain. He looked at the wall in front of me, so I looked as well. There was what looked like uh, one of those fake tunnel paintings that they use in cartoons placed on the wall. I continued to look, and the longer I did, the deeper and more distinctive this tunnel became. It wasn't a smooth surface inside the tunnel. It was gray in color, and had rings all around the inside with a Glossy, almost wet, well- rock look to it. the farther I looked into it, the deeper into eternity it went with a faint light. when my eyes with when my eyes or vision, because I did not possess my body any longer, reached a certain point in the tunnel, everything went blank, darkness, a vast nothingness, no sounds, no emotions or fears. I had arrived to a place of light not blindingly bright, but warm and comforting. It was a realm where the units of space and time used on Earth did not apply. In front of me, in the distance, was a straight line like a horizon line. It was both black and white, like a constant flickering. In the center of this horizontal line was an orb, a white flickering ball of light. It held all the knowledge that ever was or will be. It was so alive and moving so fast that it made it absolutely still like an optical illusion outside the gleaming ball of white. It faded into a yellow, a light yellow then magnificent orange. I could look below and above, and it was endless. I was in a place where I had become everything and nothing at the same time, just hovering in one spot like a gas. There was no need for me to try and travel through this realm. I I just was. Without my body or eyes on earth, uh, what people think you need to be able to see, this place was not euphoric, nor was it painful. I was not frightened. I'd come to accept everything that was taking place. This place had no use for fear, anger, resentment, or self-punishment. Completely silent, but loud with signals that had no phonetic structure, a language incomprehensible on earth or with the limitations of our physical bodies, I had reached a state of undeniable acceptance and understanding. I know I wasn't asked if I wanted to return to my flesh, but something pulled me back to it. The next thing I remember was the nurse coming in to check my vitals, which they did every four hours. I'm not sure how long I was gone for. could have been four minutes or four hours. The next couple of days I was still incredibly sick and unable to process what had happened. All I know is that I wholeheartedly believed I was going to die. That is a very defining moment, knowing you were going to die. Upon leaving the hospital, a new version of myself emerged. Mentally, the anxiety and fear that ruled my life for so long was completely erased, as if I had never had it. The addiction that followed me for so long was missing in action, too. For me, dying was a purification process. I went to this other place where all the things that had controlled me before did not hold water, and when I returned to my body, all those debilitating ailments had vanished, like I was filtered and only my purest self was allowed to return This does not mean I was not in a state of shock. Almost everything was the same, but it had all been altered slightly. My body was picking up on all sorts of signals. I had a physical panic attack where my body was in flight or fight or flight mode, but my higher brain was in a complete state of calm. It took my body a few months to start listening to my brain. When I got home, I had to unplug everything electrical especially the Wi-Fi. I could feel a buzzing within my somatosensory nervous system. Uh, within a week of leaving detox, I had stopped my antidepressant my anti-anxiety medications. This was the first time since I was 14 that I was not taking any pharmaceuticals. It's hard to explain my life and state of mind now, uh, how it is now. It's only been five months in this new life, I'm sure without a doubt that if I hadn't had this experience, I would be dead, dead, dead. My boyfriend looks at me in amazement with all the things I am capable of and just the things that I, that I beseech, the things that have had the biggest impact on me in this alternate reality, happen without notice. Like the fact that I had parted my hair on the li- left side my entire life, I realized one day that I was parting my hair on the right side. I astral project in my sleep. The dreams that I have, and just um, how my subconscious views myself in my dream world, in my dream world have shifted altogether. I used to have no control over what happened in my dreams, and would end up doing something I know I shouldn't, end up regretting it, and wake up in a panic. When I dream now, things are so vivid, and I am lucid most of the time. Fear is not a part of my life in any respect. The toxic bond I never thought I would escape from uh, from with my mother has been cut. She doesn't even seem like my mother. She was Alex's mom. The name Alex doesn't feel right to call myself. Alex is like a twin that I had my whole life and she died. I feel everything and nothing at the same time. My empathy for people runs deeper than ever before, but so does my ability to protect myself. Places with bright lights, loud noises, or lots of people turn into a sensory overload inside me. I stay home most of the time. I stopped using all social media and do not have a cell phone. I love people's reactions when you tell them that. Like I'm completely whacked, not being able to connect with anyone, anytime, anywhere, The ironic part is that now I can. My psychic abilities are supercharged and I can feel the people around me even if they are not around. I see flashing lights and the outline of people really quick. And when I look back, the outline is still there, but it is made by a tree or a shadow. As if these beings know which spots to show up and almost to uh, trick the mind. They pick places that have the same outlines as them, so you can see them for a split second. They know it, but when you turn to check, it's something else. My whole life, I've never been able to draw. Always wanted to, but didn't have the gift. Surprisingly, I can draw now faces, details, shadowing. My coordination is more accurate than ever before. The poems I write now have a totally different taste than all my previous work. I have absolutely no drug cravings and am actually opposed to taking even an ibuprofen. I usually don't use a clock because earth time doesn't seem to me, doesn't seem to be correct. I live based off nature now. I don't drive a car and really don't want to. My thoughts are obscure and abstract with my hunger for information rising every day. I have these spells where I cry, not out of sadness or any common emotion, I just feel so much I have to cry like a language of its own. I try to explain to my boyfriend what it is like to be who I am now, but I can't find the proper words. There are so many limitations on this physical plane of existence between our soft, vulnerable, fleshy bodies and the laws that apply to this place. I went to a church for a wedding a few weeks ago. First time I've been in a church since before detox. As I entered the church, I felt like I was being suffocated. The priest continued the ritual of marriage, and with each word my heart began to beat faster and faster. Not a panic, but an overwhelming uncomfortableness. It's not that I don't believe in God anymore, it's that I know the truth and the power of the Spirit. And to me now, the church represents all the lies, and I can see everything it isn't. I feel religion mocks what is really out there and sells people a false hope. I have trouble following society's beliefs and rules. The direction humans are headed in is destined for failure. We are not a threat to the earth. We are a threat to ourselves. I refuse to live in any kind of denial and have no use for lies anymore. Something that has not left me since my experience, well, a lot of things, but mostly is my Genuine, overall acceptance of everything to come. Though pain come, through pain comes greatness, I honestly believe that. Having reached a level of pain I didn't even know could exist, nothing compares to that. Once you accept your own death, you are capable of accepting anything. Even sitting here on my couch, see, seemingly quiet, everything has its own life within it. I feel like I'm on a psychedelic trip every day as I try to possess all these new occurrences. Is it possible for a person to feel so utterly different from their own selves that they mourn the loss of that identity? Alex is like a past life. Only five months now, I still have a lot to learn. Sometimes I miss her essence, but I'm still a a more refined, pure vision of whoever I might be. I can't identify with Alex unless I think back to when I was a kid, under seven years old. I feel like my kid self, but with an adult supervisor keeping things in order. I'm eager to get to know myself now. It's actually a pleasure to be alive for once in my life, this life. And there ends that account. And we have time for one more. This uh, was the monthly uh, near-death experience, actually an out-of-body experience. Well, both, I guess, uh, reported in August of 2015. Many uh, child experiencers know things that adults don't uh, know or acknowledge but have no one to validate their perceptions. Um, And and, uh, this was a note uh, before I read this to you. The publication of personal accounts... And research in the past 40 years has helped many to realize that they are not alone. Hopefully parents will no longer deny children's statements, but affirm them and help them understand what to expect. And then we recommend for more information, see articles on after effects of near-death states, uh, PMH at Waters, authored material like that. Uh, you can find, um, references at the homepage at org. Here's the account from the experiencer. When I was four and a half, I had surgery to remove my tonsils. Something went wrong during the procedure, and I hemorrhaged. All I can remember during the surgery was seeing a brilliant, warm, white light. I awoke from the anesthesia, surrounded by my parents. I could see the worry in their eyes. My dad said, we almost lost you. I remember not understanding what he meant. I received three blood transfusions. "'and stayed in the hospital for two weeks. "'Once I returned home, my mom forced me to sit outside daily "'to regain my strength. "'I would sit in the backyard and play with a neighbor's kitten, Snowball. "'She had fluffy white fur and one blue eye and one green eye. "'One day, about a month after my surgery, "'I went out to play with Snowball. "'I found her in the tall grass lying on her back. "'She was stiff and cold, "'and a yellow jacket flew in and out of her open mouth.' I ran back to the house to get mom. Mom took one look at Snowball and brought me back into the house. My mom then tried to explain the concept of death to me. She told me to think of flowers, how flowers uh, sprout from seeds in the spring and become strong and beautiful in summer, and how in the autumn they become wilted and dried up and then disappear in the winter. She said that this happens to all living things and that if every living thing didn't die, then there would be no room for new flowers, kittens, or even people. She asked me if I understood, and I said said yes, but I could sense that she was uncomfortable with the subject, and so I didn't ask her any questions. But I had a big one. I understood that my body would one day get old and stop working, but what would happen to my mind, my thoughts? You know, the essence of me. Mom never talked about the concept of a soul, yet my four-year-old mind knew there was more to me than just a body. All the rest of the day I wrestled with the thought that one day I would just cease to be. It seemed impossible to me that suddenly, in an instant, all of me could be snuffed out like a candle flame. That night in bed I kept ruminating about dying. I was upset and rubbed my eyes, pressing hard on my eyelids. All of a sudden I felt myself shoot. "'out of the top of my head. "'I found myself floating in inky blackness. "'My body, if you can call it that, lacked definition. "'It felt like I was made of clouds. "'Even though I was in pitch blackness, I was not afraid. "'After a while, I became aware of something below me to the left. "'I looked down and saw a large blue ball slowly turning. "'I saw shafts of sunlight shining on blue water and brown soil.' Large white clouds floated over the whole scene. I knew that I was looking at the earth. It was quite beautiful and peaceful, but I felt no urge to go back there. In fact, I felt rather dispassionate about the whole image. It was nice to look at the earth, but I had no emotional ties to it. Time seemed to stand still. I became aware of something uh, above me, to the right, I turned my attention upward and saw a beautiful golden staircase, backlit with the most spectacular, warm, golden white light imaginable. Mere words can't explain how breathtakingly fantastic it was. Even though I wasn't close to the stairs, I could see intricate carvings in the gold. I wanted to get closer to the staircase, and as soon as I formed the thought in my mind, I started to float over to it. I had the definite feeling of movement when I looked at the stairs, yet they weren't moving. The closer I got to the staircase, the faster I went. I reached out with my arms to touch the stairs, and my fingers started to tingle with anticipation. Just as I approached the bottom stair, I heard a booming male voice loudly yell, You are not supposed to remember this. The next instant, I found myself back in my bedroom. I started crying because all I wanted to do was go back to to that beautiful staircase. I knew that if I reached the top, that I would be home. I guess I was crying rather loudly because my dad came in to see what was wrong. I knew that the whole experience should be kept a secret. So I told Dad that I was upset about Snowball. He gave me a kiss and told me not to worry. Snowball was in a better place. I kept this whole experience a secret for many years. In 1969, when the Apollo astronauts sent back photos of the earth taken from the moon. I realized what I had experienced was real because I had seen these images ten years before. I never told my parents, and my siblings were told after my parents passed. All the while, I felt I had recovered a memory of being in between lives. I never thought I had an NDE until I read an article in one of my nursing magazines two years ago. It listed the physical and psychological side effects of an NDE and I almost fell off my chair as I read. I had almost all of the side effects listed. For years I've been struggling with being sensitive to loud noise, violence, and bright light. Even the slightest dim light at night bothers me. My normal body temperature is usually 97 or below. I react violently to some medications, and I've had two episodes of anaphylaxis with no discernible cause. The allergist told me it was an enigma. I can't wear a watch for too long because it will run fast, run slow, or just stop working. Right now I have a dead battery in my watch, but as soon as I put it on, it starts to run and will keep running until I take it off. I can't be around electrical things for too long because they will malfunction. Sometimes computers will suddenly drop offline when I walk into the room. In fact, this is my third attempt to type all of this and send it to you. The keyboard just seizes up, and I can't type. I've always had some ESP ability. I just know when things are going to happen, and I can sometimes read minds. I can get just about any plant to grow, and animals love me. One of my friends has a cat, Chubby, that is afraid of people. She runs and hides when company comes over. Yet when I come over, Chubby runs right over to me, wanting to be held. One day as I sat at my friend's kitchen table, Drinking tea, the next thing we knew, Chubby was outside the kitchen window, frantically clawing to get in. Once she was in, she immediately jumped into my lap. My friend never ceases to be amazed. Even bees and wasps listen to me. If they get in the house, all I have to do is open the door, call them, and they fly right out. Now at work, I'm called the bug lady because I can get any bug to go outside. I've had many prophetic dreams. When I was 11, I dreamed my dad was going to die two days before he did. I told my sister about the dream, but she didn't believe me. She certainly changed her uh, feelings when my mom got the phone call that my dad had died. After that, for about six months, I was in constant contact with dad. I felt his presence on my right shoulder. All I had to do was think of him, and there he was. I could hear his voice in my head, and he would ask any questions that I had. I would answer any questions that I had. My mom found out what I could do, and she started begging me to ask Daddy all sorts of things. After a while, I started to get spooked by all this, so I asked my mom not to make me ask Dad any more questions. I always felt the need to nurture. That's why I became a nurse. My patients tell me that I have a very calming presence. Now I'm a Reiki master, although I don't have a practice yet. I do give Reiki on a consistent basis. Many people comment on my healing hands. Once I gave Reiki to an autistic girl who lost the ability to speak, I told her I would try to make her feel better. I had my hands on her head for a few minutes when she grabbed my hands and took them off her head. I thought I had probably bothered her, but she put her hands She put my hands on her face and proceeded to kiss them. I have often felt that I am not of this world. It's hard to explain, but I feel out of place. Even though I love life and I'm so thankful for each and every day, part of me wants to go back home. I often wonder what would have happened if I could have retrieved more of that memory. It was so frustrating to be so close to going up the stairs and then to be yelled at and sent back to my body. I've tried numerous times to go back to that memory, but I just can't get past that booming voice. Oh, well. Someday, I will. And there ends that account from the August uh, 2015 um, monthly NDE report from IANS, just one of the many benefits that uh, members have. And um, we thank Ann Ellis for, for providing these for us. Um, if you would like to know more about IANS, perhaps, uh, uh, get a membership, perhaps, uh, even attend a conference. We have an annual conference this year. It's being held outside of Seattle, Washington. There'll be many really, uh, great speakers. There always are. Um, I'll be there. If you ever wanted to, uh, uh, sign up to be on the show, we'll have a list out there. Of course, you can always get in touch with me, uh, by email. Very simple. It's just Lee Whitting, L-E-E-W-I-T-T-I-N-G at gmail.com. If you've had an NDE or some sort of uh, mystical experience that you'd like to talk about, as a chaplain, I always found that these stories were particularly healing for patients, trauma patients, palliative care patients in the hospital, especially those who've got no uh, religion to turn to in times of uh, need so if you'd like to share these, I expect that, um you, uh, will be, uh, very welcomed by the audience, uh, that listens to this program. Well, we are about out of time for today. Uh, I always enjoy doing this show and I particularly enjoy reading these, these, uh, stories. And I think you will enjoy them too if you, uh, decide to become an IONS member. In any event, I will probably wind up reading them to you, uh, whether you're a member or not, uh, on this NDE radio. Uh, but if you want to uh, get in touch with IANS or find out more of what they offer, uh, as I said, was IANDS.org is their website. And uh, join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, for more NDE radio. And this is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.